Hello, welcome again. Let's talk Tottenham. So this week, uh, back to what the podcast is about: football. Obviously, the coronavirus uh, pandemic and crisis is in full swing now, and you know, everyone should be staying at home and just going out for essentials and then exercise like the government says so hopefully that's happening but I'm not going to preach about what I think about it or, or anything like that this one is solely about football so it's been a little while since the defenders review of the season for Tottenham so this one will be midfielders uh, it, it won't be a massive one because obviously it's previous episodes where I've reviewed the, the, the team I can't quite remember all of the games because there's a lot of stuff happening so that that will take up a little portion of the, of the episode but the main one will be uh, my Premier League all-time 11 Tottenham players uh, I just it have been enjoying the match of the day top 10 so I thought I'd do one myself with the Tottenham uh, Premier League players uh, my view so obviously you ask 100 Tottenham fans, there's none, pretty much none of them will be the same, but it's an interesting debate, so we'll talk about that. So let's talk Tottenham. So we'll get straight into it, but first off, I hope everyone's well, everyone's friends, family are well. Uh, uh, yeah, so I hope, I hope no one's ill with this virus or anything else, and everyone's... Uh, chirpy as can be and getting through it and we'll come out at the end of this so first things first uh this this episode like i've said is solely about tottenham so first off midfield review of the season uh, i won't be going like i did with goalkeepers through each game because it was quite obvious there i couldn't remember every game and now with this whole situation with lockdown i'm not i can't even remember what day is which to be honest uh so i'm never going to be able to remember each game but uh I'll say how I think the midfield are done. By midfield, I, I'm not going to be talking about Deli Ali, Sun, Bergwijn, Mora, because uh, I see them as attackers, and then obviously Kane is our striker. So this is the Sissokos, Dyers, although he's played in defence as well, but Dyers, Winks, Ndombele, uh, Lamella. He, he, he can play as attack as well. Um, but yeah, so it, it's mainly the midfield. And, and the thing that I've noticed mainly about the midfield is I, I think maybe not so much at the start of the season when we had like a Sissoko there, um, but they haven't been close in helping out the uh, defence enough. So obviously last, last time I reviewed the defenders, obviously they've made some harrowing mistakes and that's cost us goals, but... I just feel that the, the midfield haven't been helping them out as much as they used to in the past and how, how much they should be in terms of supporting them. And then, the, the, you know, certainly under Mourinho and, and since Sissoko has been injured, Harry Winks is playing there, there's a massive, massive gap between the midfield and the defence. So as soon as the opposition get past the midfield, there's no protection there. It's just the defence and, and, you know, under sustained pressure like that, even, even great defences aren't going to cope. Uh, so where has it all gone? But I, I, I honestly think that the midfield has been a bit of a weak link since the departure of Moussa Dembele. And I, I know looking at Twitter, and I'm not alone in that in that thought, but the guy was just an absolute beast player. Like you couldn't knock him off the ball. He never, very, very rarely gave it away. 
nor in the chat of the FA Cup semi-final against Man United. He very rarely gave it away. He sat deep. He didn't really drift too far forward. So he was a complete insurance policy there for the people like Ericsson, Son, Ali, Kane to just do what they do without having to worry too much about defending. But as soon as he went, that seems to have gone back. It seems to have disappeared because we haven't got a player who naturally fit into that role. Undombele is a big, big summer signing. Um, hasn't really done it and, and there's issues over his fitness and he looks like he's jogging and absolutely shattered after two minutes. Uh, but when he does play and gets the ball, he's just like Dembele, where you can't shake him off the ball, he can drift past people like they're not there. So there was some talk about whether we should sell him, whether or not, but not a chance. You keep him, you know. Even someone like a Dennis Bergkamp one of my favourite ever players to play in the Premier League. I know he played for Arsenal, but he was just so excited. But he took a long while to get going. Ronaldo, he took a few years to get going. Now look at him. So it takes, and he's only twenty-two, and he's got a sixty million pound price tag on his head. You know, Torres, Torres had that fifty. I think it was fifty million from Liverpool to Chelsea over his head, and that completely changed how he played, and he just completely disappeared. But Although I do think with Torres, it was more Liverpool was set up for him to score goals and Gerrard to assist goals. And the team was built around them, whereas Chelsea wasn't built like that. So I think that was part of it as well. But, like, you know, massive pressure with £60 million on your, on your, on your head with all of these teams who are after him. I, I still don't know what his best position is. I don't think he's a holding midfielder like a Dembele, really. Because... He's got a final product there and he can play like defence splitting passes, which Dembele used to get the ball, drift past a couple of players, then give it to like an Ericsson and then let him do it and then he'd drift back into his position. Um, so I, I think Ndombele is better suited playing a bit further forward in, in the Winks role. And then talking about Winks, he, he, he's not been great defensively midfielder, but... The issue with that is that's not his position. He's being asked to fill there because we haven't got anyone else. And he, he's, he's not really, I don't think, trained for that position because that's not his position. So the reason he's leaving gaps and everything like that is because he's not used to playing there and doesn't know the role. The, the eye, you know, Wanyama was a big, big miss. A couple of seasons ago, he was the best defensive midfielder in the league. Certainly one of them. And injuries have just completely killed him and his career, and now he's gone, which is disappointing. Eric Dyer, the same. He had, a, I think it was appendicitis, and he had injuries, and that completely seemed to dismantle his career as well. So those two would be the obvious ones to play in that position and just hold. But the, the other issue that we've got is we've got Sissoko, we've got Undumbele, we've got Winks, all three of those playing in that defensive role where it, it's... A lot of it is about discipline, so don't go further forward, stick to your position, like Dembele did brilliantly, uh, and he had Dyer or, or Wanyama with him as well. So, you know, he, he could go forward if needs be because he knew one of those two was staying back. But the issue that we've got now is all three of those players, Sissoko, Winks and Dembele, want to go further forward, and they haven't got a, a, another like a mate there who's sitting further deep. So as soon as they go forward, if we lose the ball... Our midfield is completely taken out of the game. Um, 
So you need the wide players, which I'll get into when I talk about the attackers, because that's related to like Sun, Eriksson, Halley, Bergwijn to track back and help the fullbacks. But I, I just think the midfield has not been disciplined enough. Well, and you know, I mean, that could be a combination of just they're not disciplined or they just don't understand the position. But people haven't go at Harry Winks and. Yeah, he hasn't been great, but it's not his position. But he always puts a shift in. He always wears his heart on his sleeve. So I don't think you can criticise him for not trying. It's just not understanding the position, which you can argue he should learn the position. And then you could argue that the manager shouldn't be playing in there because it's not his position. But we don't have anyone. Losing Sissoko to injury was a big miss. And we, we talk about Mourinho. There's all these people saying, I'll oh, get Mourinho out and blah, blah, blah. You know, he hasn't had a full season yet. And he's had Sissoko injured. He became one of our big players. Kane injured and Son injured. So you've got to give him a full year. He needs help from Levy. But certainly that midfield, we're crying out for a defensive midfielder there. Someone like like a Dyer or Wanyama in their prime. You know, indeed he's been mentioned from Leicester, he'd be good. He's another one who just literally is not that bothered about getting forward, just getting the ball and giving it to the people who can do stuff with it. So in that respect, it would be Lacelso. And again, is he midfielder? Is he like further forward, he's a bit Lamella-esque, um, but he's the one now after Ericsson has left that um, is taking up his kind of mantle, coming deep to get the ball uh, and then spraying the passes out and trying to dictate the play. Ericsson was a big, big loss. I'm not just talking about him actually leaving, but him seemingly wanting out and that completely uh, Changed how he played, but that he he did get out, gone to Inter Milan, and he hasn't really changed at all. He, he's not he's a bit part player there. He's not playing very well, so I don't think you can question the fact that he just didn't bother trying for us because he would be trying for his new club, and it's just not working out for him. So somehow, just the maybe the Champions League final completely killed him, but I don't know. But like, he he was our most important player in that midfield other than like a Dembele would sit back. I'd, I'd actually say Dembele was more important to sit back because it allowed Ericsson to do his stuff and that's what win your games. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, the midfield used to be one of our big, big strong points. We had a real, real good core there in midfield. We had Ericsson in the middle spraying the balls around and dictating the play. And then either uh, Dyer or Wanyama and Dembele sitting back and we've completely lost that this season and it's no surprise to me that the, the big big gap that's there because they all want to go forward is just meaning that teams are running roughshod through us and just creating chance after chance after chance you, you, you've got to have someone who sits back certainly in this day and age you've got to have someone who sits back if you're going forward like that Certainly in this day and age. Previous years in the, in the Premiership, maybe you didn't have to do that because it was all about if you keep the ball. But cer certainly when you know you look at Man United in the 90s, teams didn't go to Old Trafford to try and win there. They went there to just try and uh, you know get a draw. So they weren't that bothered about like attacking. Whereas it's completely changed now, so teams will still have a go. But yeah, so Mourinho isn't stupid. I know he says some stupid things and he takes people have training when we're supposed to be isolating and stuff like that but he must see that there's too much of a gap there he must do and so I mean that must be addressed but since we lost uh, Dembele 
something's not been right there. And then I, I think that coincided with the Wanyama getting injured and Dyer getting injured and being ill. Uh, Undombele, I, I think, will come good. I'm not sure if his fitness needs sorting out or it's, it's attitude. Um, but either way, from what I've seen, he has got some unbelievable skill and he could be an absolute top asset if we can get his fitness and the attitude up. But he is still young. So let's give him a chance. But that, that's my review mainly of the midfield, not so much in the games, but of, of where it's gone wrong with the big gaps and not a defensive-minded mid midfielder there to sit deep and just marshal stuff up in front of the defence. Um, yeah, that's the review, short review, uh, but I said it was. So that was a midfield review. So we'll move on now to my, my Premier League all-time top 11. Uh, pretty tough. Um so I'll do the goalkeepers, defenders, and then we'll have a break, and then I'll do the rest of the team after that. But again, this is only my opinion, and it's based on how well they've played, how exciting I found them, and how important I felt they were. Um, a lot of different factors. Um, so first off, goalkeeper. So Hugo Lloris was a fantastic goalkeeper in his first few seasons for us, but the last two, three seasons he's made a lot of mistakes. So he, he's, for me, he, he started off very reliable, um, but he, he's, he's turned into a bit of a liability now. So I haven't gone for him, I've gone for who he took over from, which was Brad Friedel, who I was a massive fan of in the Premier League for years. And, and it's just a shame we got him like five years too late because he could have been a mainstay in our team and, and he's a goalkeeper he only played for us for a couple of seasons but I can't remember any time in that season I can't remember many times in his entire Premier League career where I, he didn't look solid and dependable and I think as a goalkeeper you need to have that reliability and dependableness and, and calmness because that helps out the rest of the team if you've got a keeper who's you're always worried about like Gomez you always had a mistake in him Loris now the, the, the defence, like look at how the field scoring the own goal against Villa, that was all because of the hesitation from the goalkeeper. I'm not sure what the goalkeeper's going to do. But with Brad Friedel, I just didn't get a sense of that at all. He was always dependable and I was always fairly confident that he wouldn't make a mistake. It's just like I say, it's just a shame that we didn't get him five years earlier. But he, he was a brilliant goalkeeper, I thought. And... Yeah, it's just a pity as well he's not still at the club as a goalkeeping coach because I think he'd have been good at that as well. But yeah, obviously it's tempting to go for the, the, the players in the Poch, Poch era because that's when we were most successful. But yeah, if we'd have had a, a prime Brad Friedel, I think we'd have uh, got a few more points there certainly in the last two seasons when, when, when Loris first joined first couple of seasons fantastic he was uh, but he's completely he's let himself go since winning that World Cup uh, right back Carl Walker I've gone for a 4-4-2 just so I could fit everyone in but it, it may not be a team that would do that well because um, <laughs> it is quite a tap minded but right back Carl Walker I think out of all the right backs we've had Stephen Carr uh, Jim Bonder I think Carl Walker just, he, he, he had, in that season, the 16-17 season, he was the leading player for assists for a defender. Uh, I mean, it suited the way that we played as well with the two people sat sat deep, Wanyama, Odaya and Dembele, to allow the fullbacks to go forward. 
uh, Dyer then dropping into a back three as well. Um, but yeah, Carl Walker just absolutely rapid. He, he made a few mistakes and he looked, it was more concentration, I think. Um, but go, he, he was such a weapon for us and, and his, his pace allowed him to, when he made a mistake, to recover fairly quickly. Um, it's just a shame he wanted to leave, but he wanted to win stuff and, and you can't really argue with that. But he's a complete moron as well with the whole having a sex party when we're in lockdown, but you know, he's a footballer, isn't he? So most of them are pretty stupid. Um, but yeah, going forward, absolutely superb. And then, and then and to link to that left back, Danny Rose, which in that season as well was absolutely superb. Uh, I know he hasn't been that great recently and he doesn't play for us at the moment. He's on loan, Newcastle, but I can't think of another left back who, who was that consistent that we've had. Um, I can't I can't even think of a left back that we've had. I mean, that's fairly <laughs> Asuakoto, probably the closest to him. Um, but he, he was nowhere near as effective going for, and dangerous going forward as Danny Rose was in that season with Walker on the other side. Um, just it was a big, big, big part of of us scoring goals and constantly scoring late goals just because we were relentless, similar to like Manchester United in the 90s, just relentless. Um, yeah, and, and you know, he always put a shift in, Danny Rose, always put a shift in. There was never a time we thought, ah, he's not even trying there. And, you know, say what you will about him, but, you know, he's been doing a lot for the hospitals during this epidemic and everything like that so I think he's a nice bloke as well just a real real shame that he got that injury uh, and then he had issues which which caused him to get depression and I think that as combination of those has, has really knocked his confidence and just and racism towards him as well which is just disgusting I think all of that as a combination has just, just completely destroyed his confidence but he, he was Possibly the most improved player in the Premier League under that era because he, he was before that he was a bit of a liability defensively and not doing too much going forward and then he became in, in that time an England mainstay at left back and it's just a real real shame that he's declined like that but I, I still like him it would be good if he could come back and you know but I think I think Mourinho will get another left back um, so they're the two full backs two centre backs. You can probably guess who these will be. Uh, I, I like, you know, uh, one's the honourable mentions, Dawson. I love Dawson. Um, just wore his heart on his sleeve, never shirked out of a challenge. Absolutely superb. Sol Campbell, <laughs> only joking, can't stand that guy. Awful, awful person. So he wouldn't even get in my top 100 Spurs players. I can't stand the guy. Batongan, brilliant servant to us as well. Uh, yeah, uh, Ga Gary Mabbott, although he wasn't Premier League, was he? Colin Calderwood I liked. Um, but I've gone for Alderweireld and Mr. Ledley King. Just Alderweireld has had a little bit of a dodgy season this season, but I think that's partly what I've been talking about, that, that you know, he's getting older, but the midfield not helping out the defence. Uh, and then constantly as well, which I'm, I'm sure I talked about in the defence issue, just chopping and changing all the time with the defence. Just keep the goalkeeper in the back four 
if injuries and suspensions aren't a problem. But but you know, for for quite a long time, Alderweireld had been absolutely superb, best defender in the league at one point. Uh, him and Vertonghen, absolute wonderful partnership. Um, but he's a leader as well. You can see that on the pitch. He's a leader. He he's the one certainly now as well, and I would imagine back in those days as well, a few seasons ago, he's the one who decides the defensive line. He's the leader there. He's not the captain, but you know, you only have one captain, and but you have captains all over the pitch. You look at Man United. You know, I think Cantona was the captain, but you had leaders like Skulls. Keane, oh Keane was the captain, wasn't he? But you had leaders like Skulls, Beckham's. Uh, Beckham, Neville, Ferdinand, Vidic, you know, Schmeichel when he was playing. You know, you got leaders all over the pitch and Alderweireld wasn't the captain, but he's a leader. And, and you know, he was good in the air, wasn't particularly quick, but then his 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 intelligence and, and footballing brain allowed him to get himself into the position where he knew he wasn't that quick so that he didn't need to use that pace. Very similar to what Shem did up front. Uh so yeah, and, and scored important goals for us and always put a shift in. So yeah, fantastic signing out of the field. And then Ledley King, which just I still think, and I'll get I we've been criticised by this before, but I still think he's a better defender than John Terry, Rio Ferdinand. It's just that Rio Ferdinand and John Terry played so many games at that high level, so they're always held in high regard. But in terms of ability, I think Ledley King was better. Just and and you know, he's a one man club and my one and only club and all that, but I mean let's not kid ourselves. If he was never injured, he would have been playing for like Barcelona, Man United, the, the top, top, top teams because he was that good. And and you know, the fact that, you know, He'd train once a week and hardly ever train, then play a game and it didn't look like he missed a beat. Absolutely superb. He could do everything. He was quick, could read the game, could head the ball, put a tackle in. You know, it's quite a bloke, but a leader again. And just, I think, I think you ask 100 Spurs fans in top 11, I, I, I don't think anyone really... You may get people who put out of and Vertonghen, but I, I don't think there'll be many people who don't put Ledley King in there just because he was, he could do absolutely everything. It's just an absolute shame that his injuries prevented him from playing more games. Um, yeah, I, I, and just he was a fantastic player, fantastic player. And he could have played for absolutely anyone, like I've said, if he uh, didn't have injuries, he would have won countless medals if, if, Injuries hadn't stopped his career. So that's the goalkeeper defenders. So take a little break, uh, make a cup of tea, have a drink, have a rest, uh, and then I'll go back, come back, and talk about the midfielders and attackers and strikers afterwards, which a lot of them probably won't be much of a surprise. Um, but yeah, so. Have a break now and be back in a bit. And we're back. So, move, moving on with the all-time top 11. I'll start with the central midfielders. I've got two. Uh, some honourable mentions there, which uh, I, I love Wanyama when he played for us. He was just a beast and just so dependable. No nonsense and, and just knew what he was good at, which was get the ball, give it to someone else. Palacios I quite liked, uh, 
Dyer, I, I love the fact that he could play in central midfield, but when we didn't have the ball drops into defence, and just that versatility I loved. Van der Vaart came very, very, very close. He was just he was just a player that as soon as he joined, he knew he, he got Tottenham. And you just look at him with the goals against Arsenal, he knew what that meant for the fans and for the club. And he just he just got it. And I love that. And I think you know, ask 100 Spurs fans, what do you think of Van der Vaart? I don't think anyone would have anything bad to say about him. I think all 100 would be positive. So he was very close. Uh, I, I like Parker, but again, like Friedel, it was just, we got him a few years too late. The difference is with, with Friedel is you don't really need that much pace and being able to run about as a goalkeeper as Parker kind of did. So he, he, he wasn't any, anywhere near as good as he used to be uh, just because of his age. Uh, and Soko has just come on leaps and bounds. He could have easily left. He could have easily left and just gone away. And he just, yeah, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. Uh, yeah, Anderton I really liked, although he was more of a wide player. But uh, yeah, the ones I've gone for, uh, the first one you can probably guess based on how I was singing his praises earlier on. Dembele, I think he's just. Pochettino once said, didn't he? He says, just a shame he didn't get him as a 19, 20 year old because he'd be world class, one of the best midfielders in the world now. But like his ability to just, I've never seen any, anyone, apart from Gareth Bale, that we've had, maybe Ginola as well, but like, certainly Bale, but, but never seen anyone in a non attacking role like Dembele be able to just skim past people from a dead ball situation and just, you couldn't knock him off the ball. And he was just. He was one of those players in midfield, similar to Paul Scholes and Man United with that, but he didn't have the strength. But very similar in the sense that you give him the ball, you know 99 times out of 100, that ball is either staying with him or going to another Tottenham player. And it's just, it just must create so much calmness in that midfield that if you're in trouble, give it to Dembele and then you're right because you've got ball retention. The only issue with him was that, you know, that Leon goal that he scored showed that going forward he could score goals, but he he didn't. But in the Pochettino days, that 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 I think was by design. Just leave him there, like I've said, to marshal the back, go forward a little bit. But he very rarely went too far forward past the halfway line. He'd go past the halfway line maybe after skimming a couple of players and then give it to like an Eriksson or or someone. Um, also, Eriksson came very close to this central midfield as well. It's just I've picked someone else. Um, I'll explain why later. But yeah, Dembele, absolutely superb and just so calm, so strong, so dependable. And just it, it, like I've said before, it's, it's no surprise to me that we went downhill, certainly in the midfield area and in terms of keeping the ball once he left. Um and again, he had injury problems, which were a shame. Um, but yeah, so he was one of these players who, who was he was penalised for his strength by referees because it always looked like he was using too much strength and unfairly strength um, to keep the ball. But it was just because he was that strong. Because he got a lot of fouls against him, which weren't fouls. It just looked like I mean, it was man versus boy, and it looked like the boy was being fouled by the bully man. But I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, absolutely superb. The other central midfield, Eriksson came really close. Uh, but I think this player is exactly the same type of player, but he's just on another level. That's Luka Modric. 
Uh, he started off, he, he, he didn't look very good when he first came, but he was playing a bit too far forward. So he was he was in, I don't know what role you'd, you'd call that, but like he was like a Rooney role, like just behind the strikers, which he, he's a playmaker. And he's, he's shown that, and it, you know, very, very rare as well for a playmaker who sits that far deep to win a Ballon d'Or. It's usually the players who score the goals that just shows how good he is. But ima- imagine if we didn't have Eriksen under the pot era, but we had Modric. I mean, I love Eriksen, but Modric is just on another level. The only criticism that I had with Eriksen was against big, big clubs and big games. Generally, he didn't really turn up. Modric turned up for every single game. And, you know, very new to the Premier League and he, he's basically running the game against the Lampards and Gerrards who, who were seasoned veterans by then. And just, he he, he... he was like the modern-day Paul Scholes. It's no surprise that Ferguson wanted him. It's just that he couldn't deal with Levy, which <laughs> I'm not sure he's the only one. But, I mean, if he'd have gone to Man United there, then they'd have dominated like they did in the 90s like he was that good and just he could do everything he could sit deep he could sit deep spray the ball along he could play short passes long passes he could he could pick someone out onto their foot from 60 yards but then he could also go forward score goals take free kicks corners and and just one of those players that he, he, you know, when he plays well, the team plays well. If he doesn't play well or he's not playing, you always notice. You know, if you have a striker who's scoring a lot of goals, but then someone else comes in and he scores three, you don't miss the striker because they're scoring. But, you know, there was no substitute for Modric. And similar in Pochettino, not really any substitute for Eriksen. But you noticed when uh, in the big games with Eriksen that he wasn't... Um, Turning up, Chelsea. When we won, finally won away there, he did that. That was the one of the only big games I can remember him playing where he really turned up and really turned the game. But they were few and far between. Whereas Modric was just unbelievable. It's just such a shame we lost him. If we'd have kept him, I mean, oh, you don't know what could have happened there. But he he was just phenomenal and, and like it's shown he's only got better and better and he was pretty damn good when he played for us but yeah he was just he was like Zavi Scholes-esque you know just strung the game together and it was all done via his pace and how quickly he wanted it done so slow 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 then bang quick and then you're in um, yeah I'd loved to have, uh, for us to have kept him like Skulls, he hasn't always been blessed with pace, but he doesn't need it because he lets the ball do the work. Uh, right wing, I'm not sure he played on the right wing, but I've got two wingers so I can fit the next two in. So I've said, so they, they could be, it could be left wing and right wing, it could be swap, but I'll, I'll say right wing, just because it's on my list. That's David Ginola, who I remember when we signed him, I cheered because he was that an entertaining player at Newcastle and... He was even better at Tottenham. He, he he won the Players' Player of the Year in '99 when Man United won all the, the won the treble. I think we won the Worthington Cup in that year. But for for all the players to vote for him and not one of the players who won a treble, just says everything about. It. He was just so exciting, and 
one of those players that as soon as he got the ball, it wasn't, oh, is there someone behind me that I can keep the ball and pass to? It was, right, let's attack this person. Let's make the crowd sit up and let's do something exciting. And he was just, I mean, he was like that at Newcastle and he took it to another level with us. And, and unbelievable excitement from that player and, and skill and, and just, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I remember cheering when we signed him because it was just like, oh, we're going to be entertained here. And like Modric, when he didn't play, you, you notice, but then he very rarely didn't play. Um, but everything went through him. It was just a shame kind of at the time we didn't really have the, the, the team around, like the, you know, the nucleus of the team and, and the spine of the team. If he was playing in the Pochettino era as well, you, you can, you know, Ledley King, if he was playing in that era, Friedel in that era, and Modric, I mean, just, oh, we could have, oh, it's scary to see how good we could have been if we could have had all of these players in the same era. But you could say that with any team in the Premier League, but Ginola would have had so much space and he'd have had a Modric to pick him out or even an Eriksson to pick him out and, and just, Getting one on one with the defenders, and nine times out of ten, he'd skin that defender. And and it's, it's when you're playing on the wing as well against a fullback. What you want to be doing is, is very early on is taking that fullback on. Ronaldo did it for Man United all the time because if you beat him within two minutes, you've got him on toast there for the rest of the game because you're going to be oh shit, he's beat me now. He's going to be doing that all game, and I'm in for a long game here. And and Ginola did that. All the time, all the time, as, as did the uh, left winger that I've picked, which I'm sure you can guess. Um, but yeah, whereas you sometimes, you know, Alan Lennon, I loved Alan Lennon, so he, he he was close, but he just wasn't direct enough. He was so quick. If, if he got the ball one-on-one, -on -one, which he invariably did, knocks it five metres past, no one's catching him because he was so quick, but he just didn't seem to have that confidence, whereas Ginola... And the other player just, as soon as they got the ball, it was right, attack, 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 put them under pressure. Uh, and Ginola, it was just so entertaining. He's one of my top 10 entertaining players in the whole Premier League era. It's just absolutely superb. As was this next guy at left back, which I'm sure you can guess, Gareth Bale, who obviously started pretty poorly for us but he was played as a left back and he had that horrible start I think it was 27 games and hadn't won in the Premier League we were looking to sell him uh, and then an absolute masterstroke from Redknapp moving him further forward on the left wing uh, and then it was the season we were in the Champions League really the season before he scored goals against Arsenal and everything like that and looked like right we've got a player here but it was the following season in the Champions League where he tore the, the supposed best right back in the world, uh, Mike on to absolute shreds in that three-one win against Inter Milan. Uh, and like Ginola, his, his his first thought was always get the ball, take someone on. It was never turn back and and you know slow the game down. It was always try and play at hundred miles an hour, take someone on, and you know first time I get it one on one with that full back, take him on, see what he's got and. If I can beat him, then I've got him on toast for the rest of the game. He's going to be worried. Uh, but then he became our main man very quickly. Bednap left. AVB came in. Uh, and the only issue there was that we were a one-man team. I think 
most Spurs fans can admit that, that we, we were a one-man team with Gareth Bale. If he didn't play well or he didn't play, we didn't really have an answer to do anything. So again, you can only imagine how we'd have done with someone like him in the Pochettino team. Uh, some came very close to this, or, or the strikers as well. Um, but yeah, well... You can't leave Gareth Bale out, can you, of an all-time top 11, just what he did. And the goals he scored as well. I mean, you know, Sun scores his share of tap-ins as well as spectacular goals. All Gareth Bale's goals were just spectacular long-range efforts. And you, you just... Defenders knew what he was going to do, and they just couldn't stop him. He was just absolutely sensational. And just... Just a shame we, we lost him as well, and didn't... And, not so much of a shame that we lost him, but a shame that we didn't really invest the money wisely. Like Liverpool have done with Coutinho, they've invested it very wisely and they're paying the benefits now. Um, but yeah, Gareth Bale, what, what an absolute player. And the way he's been treated by fans at Madrid is just absolutely disgrace. He's won you two bloody Champions Leagues. Show him some respect, but those fans are just an absolute disgrace anyway. Uh, so that, that's the midfield. Then I've gone for two strikers. Defoe came close. Um, he kind of became a bit part player. Crouch came close, if, if only for that Man City goal. Mora came close, just for that Ajax game. Son, like I've said. Sheringham, love Sheringham. Um, but I've gone for Kane, obviously. I mean, just... the only question mark is will he stay with us? If he does stay with us and doesn't get injured, he will break Jimmy Greaves' record and He's got a very good chance of breaking Shearer's Premier League record. I mean, he's got a good chance of breaking that anyway if he moves in the Premier League. But Levy has said that if he does move, he's not being sold to a rival. So, but like his interview saying, you know, he, he he'll leave if we're not looking like winning trophies. I don't think anyone can complain about that really because everyone knows about that and just we had the chance sixteen seventeen to really invest and push on, and Levy didn't do it. Whether that's Levy didn't, uh, Pochettino didn't pressure him enough, I don't know. But we should have won a Premier League or something in this era. But Kane, just going off topic there, I digress a little bit. But so he scores all types of goals. He's just very, very possibly, he's certainly in the top three strikers in the world at the moment. Whether he's the best, I'm not sure. But like, I, I, I'm biased, so if you gave me any striker in the world for my team, I'd have Kane. I think he's better than Aguero because Aguero plays in a team that just create chance after chance after chance for him. Whereas if Kane played in that team, he'd be scoring more goals than Aguero. But yeah, Kane, two two back-to-back golden boots in the Premier League. He's had a few injury issues, but... You know, he'll chase lost causes, he'll come deep to get it, he can head the ball, he can score from left foot, right foot, come deep, long shots, short shots. The only issue I've got with him, which is, isn't his forte and, and, and is the weakest part of his game by quite a way, is his hold-up play, I think. When the ball goes up long, um, he doesn't win it that often, and when he does, no one gambles on it because they're not confident that he's going to get it, but, you know. I mean, that's a very minute detail out of like an absolute world-class player and just absolutely ruthless. Uh, absolutely ruthless. Although, 
not the most ruthless striker to have ever played in my lifetime. That would be Brazilian Ronaldo, who was just a stratosphere all to himself at that time. If he hadn't got injured, he'd be mentioned in the same breath as Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi at the moment as best of all time. But he, he was the most ruthless striker I've ever met. So Kane ain't on that level. But then, you know, <laughs> what striker in the last 20 years has been. But yeah, Kane, absolutely superb. And then the last one, Klingsman. At the time, I know Cantona joined Man United, but at the time, this was, for me, the 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 first like kind of megastar footballer to join the Premier League. Because I started off watching the first football I ever watched was the Italia 90. My dad had a VHS uh, highlights tape. VHS for young people is what happened, what was there before DVD players. Um, and yeah, Klingsman, obviously Germany. Did they win that? Yeah. Yeah, they won that, didn't they? But uh, he, he, he was just an all-round brilliant striker. He obviously had the diving reputation, but we'll ignore that. But all-round striker. He'd hold it up, he'd score goals, he could head the ball, he could bring people into play. He was just absolutely superb. Uh, and then, I can't remember when it was, I, it must have been, I think it was before he joined us, or it might have been just after, but he scored that overhead kick in the World Cup 94, so it must have been after he joined us, cause, but anyway. But like, at the time, he was scoring goals for fun for Germany and was just known around the world. So when he, he joined us, that was the first kind of superstar player I'd seen join the Premier League. The only reason Cantona wasn't because he had a fallen out with a French coach, but at that time, if he hadn't have done, he'd have walked into the French coach, French team, so he'd have been a world-class player and signing as well. But Klingsman, unbelievable. And you only have to listen to interviews with Sheringham at the time. He loved playing with him because he taught him so much, and it's just, you know... And he was the first player striker in the Premier League. I, th I don't think closing down goalkeepers just when the ball gets played back to him and then just chasing him down anyway, was done before Klingsman came in. I think he was the pioneer for all of that, and now everyone does it. But it certainly put the Premier League on the map. He scored God knows how many goals in that season. It's just a shame he was only there one season, although he came back on loan and then essentially saved us from relegation. Um, but yeah, absolutely superb and just could do everything. Model professional, I think cut the diving part out and ignore that but you know when you look at all players now just you've no worse than any of them even Kane he's he's had his fair share of diving um, but yeah just he would have taught Sheringham who was fairly young at the time mid-20s so much and that would have stood Sheringham in very good stead and just yeah superstar player superstar player so that's my all-time 11 obviously that will vary depending on who you talk about, and you ask me in a month, it'll probably change. Um, but at this moment in time, that's what I've come. So, yeah, like I've said, that's my all-time 11, which will probably change if you ask me in another month, and everyone else will have different opinions to that, I'm sure. Although a lot, a few of those will probably be on everyone's list. Um, but, yeah. But I've, I've been watching a Premier League top 10 podcast on, on BBC One and that's kind of what made me think of that as well as another list I'm doing.
doing, which is constantly changes. Oh, I won't do that here, but I'll do that at some point, which is my favourite Premier League players of all time. Um, I did toy with the idea of not including Tottenham players in that, but I don't think you can keep someone like a bail out. Um, but anyway, talk about that another time. But I, hopefully this was a bit more positive for people than the whole moaning about the coronavirus and idiots not staying at home and everything like that. Uh, so I've said my piece on all that, so I'll try and just do football ones from now on. So there'll be another Spurs one with my review of the forwards and attack and strikers this season. Uh, and then maybe that top 10 list of my favourite players. Um, but yeah, till then, stay safe, stay indoors and hope everyone's okay. And until next time, um, yeah, like I said, stay safe.